Wait. If we want to build the future, we're gonna need something. Like a high-speed internet connection that can turn my ideas into reality. Like the skills to become the world's most powerful coder. The resources to make more films with people who look like me. Like me. Like me. Like me. Like me. Like me. Like the tools to start my sustainable shoe business. Way more space to collaborate. Yeah, that's better. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to open doors for the next generation so they can build a future of unlimited possibilities. It's not your fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones. Hello and greetings and welcome to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast. My name is Brandon Jones and I am the host of the show. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about stories and how stories can help young people heal. I realized in starting this podcast that we just got up and rolling with various different topics. We've heard from parents and caregivers, they sent in questions and I've answered them here on the show. But I realized I never really gave a proper introduction to who I am, what I do, um, and a little bit about how I got to this level of profession and um, this kind of space of life. And that's important. And that's important because my story, like many of the young people that are having issues right now, are very similar. Many of the young people who are in therapy have backgrounds that are similar to myself. And for me, uh, I do the work, I do work around trauma. And it's a little hard to define who I am. I'm not like a traumatologist or anything of that nature. But I've been doing this work around healing understanding trauma, developing programming, therapeutic techniques, uh, and coping mechanisms for individuals, families, and um, communities since 2010. And for me, the trauma work has been both professional and personal. And typically in professions, we try to avoid blending your personal life into your professional life. It's hard to do but it is something that is encouraged in many professions. And for you young people who are listening, <clears throat> you'll learn this once you get through either your college experience, or maybe you may go through the military, maybe you may go straight into the workforce. You'll realize that as you enter into professions, people will encourage you to not blend work and your personal life. Now I will say this, that is a older model of thinking about workplace dynamics. One thing that has happened during the pandemic is that it is um, it has really made this thing that we call work-life balance. It has blended those things into each other, where many people can't tell the difference between their work life and their professional life. <clears throat> and that's why it's important for me to tell a little bit of my, who I am and why I do this work, because as I continue to move forward in this work, I'm starting to see uh, people's personal lives and their past start to show up in their work, in their ability to function in school, in their ability to maintain healthy relationships, et cetera. So we're starting to see this blend that we haven't traditionally seen in the past. 
So when I talk about work-life balance, I'm not just talking about people who have professions. I'm also talking about students and young people who are learners, where your your actual life is getting in the way of you accomplishing your academic task as well. So let me tell a little bit about my story to give you some reference um, to today's podcast. Now, storytelling is very, very valuable, and it's a very huge therapeutic technique. Um, many people who go through struggles feel like they go through them alone, and they feel like they're the only one who's experiencing the things that they're experiencing, and they minimize the impacts that it has on their life. And since they minimize those impacts, unfortunately, what ends up happening is they don't really get the help that they need. They don't speak up. They don't talk to anyone. Um, they go on like it's not really bothering them when it truly is bothering them. And I was that kid. I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, born and raised, grew up in a household full of trauma and trauma, trauma and drama. Now, the trauma that I experienced, unfortunately, was domestic violence. The drama that I experienced was the ripple effect of that domestic violence. I grew up as a poor kid, um, uh, welfare, WIC, food stamps, Section 8, those are all elements of my childhood and I remember how those services provided a role in my childhood. I grew up as the oldest of three boys in the home. I was the oldest. I'm three years older than my brother under me and I'm six years older than my youngest brother. So we're all three years apart. And I remember my life took a huge turn when I was about 11 years old going into 12. My grandmother had a conversation with me uh, privately and shared with me that the person who I thought was my father was not my father. Now, the person who I thought was my father was my stepdad. He was also the person who was abusive in the home. So at that time, what she did was she gave me an answer to something that I had floating around in the back of my head. And what I had floating around in the back of my head as a young kid was, why does he treat me different than he treats my brothers? And it all made sense. And then my life changed. The secret was out. The family secret was out. Many young people hold and have family secrets. Many young people don't know what the family secrets are. And I was told at 11 what the, one of the bigger family secrets were for myself. And once that secret was out, now I had to start making adjustments. And my family did too. And things got really, really tough for me. I was frustrated. Um, I, I didn't like the domestic violence. Um, I was isolated a lot. Um, you know, my stepfather would take uh, his biological children, my two younger brothers, and then he would do things with them and would exclude me. And it was it was very evident that there was a divide happening in the home. And I remember really feeling alone and frustrated and angry. And I was a very angry young man. But I wasn't an angry young man who would, you know, punch holes in the wall or destroy toys or objects in the home. No, I was an angry young man who internalized my pain. And that internalized bottled up anger only had one outlet. I only had one outlet for that, which was football. So during the football season, I would just unleash all the frustration I've had pent over, pent up for months on that football field. And no one knew. No one knew why I was so aggressive, why I was so angry. And they didn't care because it was in a it was in a, a um acceptable environment. So football, you're supposed to be aggressive. So I would just unleash all my frustration and pain during those months of the football season. 
And then after that, I would just try to find ways to escape the pain. I was always an active kid. If there was a program that I could get into at school, I would get into it. I would try to be at rec centers. Um, I played a little bit of video games. I would escape through video games as well. But I just hated to be home. So I was either running from it or I was um, bottling up the pain or a combination of both. And I see that in so many young people. And that carried on with me all throughout high school. One thing that I learned about high school was that high school was my vehicle. Education, really, was my vehicle to get out of the life that I lived. I realized that if I could make it to college, that I could leave behind the life that I was living. Because I knew that people lived on campuses. And I knew that if I can get into a college with a campus... I can live on campus and I can start my life over without being dependent on my parents, <clears throat> without being in the domestic violence situations, et cetera. And I made that my goal and I just focused hard on education. Now, I would also admit I was pretty intelligent. I was I'm a smart, I was a smart guy then, uh, and I'm a smart guy now. And I was able to, you know, effectively display that through my grades and things and make it to the University of Minnesota. Um, but but then I realized once I got to that level that I needed support. I needed help. I needed a circle of support, which is something that I talk about on this podcast all the time, is that you need a circle of support. You can't just do things alone. And you'll figure this out when you start to get better. You start to elevate who your support network is and how to form it. And it's very difficult because we're not taught this in school. We're not taught to find a mentor in school. We're not taught to um, you know, make sure that you have different types of relationships with people. Um, we're not taught these things. So that's why I like to talk about them here on this podcast. So I got to the University of Minnesota, didn't have a lot of mentors, um, had people who cared about me. That was a plus, um, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was a first-generation college student and um, I my, my main goal was already accomplished, get on a college campus. And it's like, now what? <laughs> now what do you do? And my now what was to graduate college? I need to figure it out. And I went to school. Um, I, I actually went to school to be a dentist, believe it or not. That obviously did not work out. Uh, if you follow this podcast, you know I did not become a dentist. Um, I realized very quickly that the science and math classes that I was taking for my pre-dentistry major were definitely not the same type of math that I was taking in high school and I wasn't ready. Um, I was a first-generation college student. I didn't know a lot, and I was just happy to be on the campus. And I almost flunked out. And luckily, I was taking a class at the time that was an elective called People and Problems, and that was the only class that I was doing well in. And I ended up switching my major to what that class was based in, which was something called sociology, which is really the study of humans and working with people and groups and fell in love with it. And from there, I moved uh, on to graduate with my degree. I uh, took a year off, went to grad school, got a master's in something called community psychology. And then um, I was also working in a psych department as well during that time. So I was introduced to mental health. Then I decided to become a therapist. And I, I graduated from that first master's degree, uh, enrolled in my second master's program to become a therapist, graduated from there, and was off to the races. And um, I've been working and helping individuals ever since, but my goal was always helping young people. And here's why. I believe that young people have an opportunity to shape and mold their world a lot better than adults do because of the potential and the time that you have. Your brains are not done developing just yet, which is good. Um, you have a lot more choice than a lot of people. A lot of adults have restrictions 
on what they can and can't do due to adult life things, right? They may have children, debt, um, they may be stuck in particular places. They don't have that freedom to say, you know what, when I turn 18, I'm just going to go and move to a different state or a different country. They don't have that freedom of figuring out different careers. Some people are just stuck. And I always thought that uh, with young people, there's so much possibility and opportunities and directions that they can go through. And with the with the proper information and great support and encouragement, young people can go anywhere that they want to go, regardless of their mental health concerns. So that's why I do what I do. That's why I do this work. That's why I come here and drop these podcasts. And I wanted to tell you a little bit of my story so that you understand who I am and why I do this and that it is possible to recover from all types of life circumstances. Now, there are some things that recovery looks different. It doesn't mean that things are going to return to the past, but what it does mean is that they don't have to stay painful forever. So hopefully that was a message of encouragement. Hopefully that lets you know a little bit about me. Always open to questions. So if you have additional questions for me that you would like me to answer on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me at jegna.org. That's jegna, J-E-G-N-A dot org. You can also find me at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Feel free to uh, send any questions, comments, or concerns there. And also, if you want to connect, you can also find us in the Facebook group on Facebook. That is, it is not your fault, the Facebook group. So it is not your fault, a team mental health podcast. I am your host, Brandon Jones. This is another episode. Remember, telling your story is one way to help empower, inspire, and motivate somebody that, that change can happen and healing is possible. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault or to learn more about Brandon Jones, log on to ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, and it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24-7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment for my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at UHC.com. Plan benefits may vary. You started your business with big dreams and big ideas. But achieving your goals is a matter of doing the little things right. At Bremer Bank, we're ready to help you navigate all the details, questions, and challenges you encounter on your way to growth and success. Because right now, relationships matter more than ever. And understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com. It's never too late to set the stage for well-being. Here's your well-being tip of the day from YMCA of the North. Put mindfulness in your tool belt. Mindfulness is a method of paying attention and bringing awareness to whatever is happening at the moment. Be open to the idea of being present and honest with yourself. Observe what's happening rather than trying to control what's happening. We reduce our stress, anxiety, and negative emotions when observing rather than get overly flustered in our reactions. For more well-being tips, meditation, and yoga classes, visit us at ymcanorth.org forward slash well-being.